recording. Hey everyone, welcome back to Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast where three guys read a book and then talk about it. I'm one of those guys. My name's Connor, and I'm joined, as ever, by my two regular, chumpy co-hosts, Connor and Josh. (laughs) We're your chumps, here to talk some chapters. Well, hello there. You sound kind of weird tonight. Um, I had a great idea. Really? Oh, no. Yeah. So for a theme song for this show, Chapter Jumps, you know, we, we've we've been kind of, you know, racking our brains for a long time. Like, oh, what should the theme song be? Like, we're always kind of no, like, we we're always kind of like, we really do need a theme song. We have a, a, a music bad intro, but that's kind of kind of a placeholder for what the real theme song will be. Um, what do you guys think of a parody of My Humps by the Black Eyed Peas? No. It's, it's My Chumps? No. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, really I'm just wondering, because Josh was quick to say no, and I'm just wondering if he actually knows the song or not. Oh, good um, Probably not. You just said Black Eyed Peas, and I just do not like their music. I think I've heard of the song. I don't think I've listened to it. Josh. Come on. Josh, Josh, that's insane. How could you have heard of the song? Like, how how could you be like, oh, yes, I'm aware of my humps. I've I've heard I've heard tell of this song because I'm on the but you've never listened to it. Yeah, because I'm on the Internet. It's not even Who's the internet. Talking about this my was, humps on the internet. This was a big song when we were kids. Was it? Yes, it was. Josh, you really come on, buddy. You don't know my humps. I okay. You know what? Because sometimes Josh will say like he has that ear for melody, right? He's let yeah, me no, just I, sing you a few bars. Connor, can I, can I'm you sing it with 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 uh, you like replacing chump with with humps? You mean replacing humps Humps, with chumps? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Get you love drunk off my chumps. My chumps, my chumps, my chumps. My lovely lady chumps. (laughs) Check it out. I have heard that segment before, yes. (laughs) Yes. But I've not, like, listened to it. Like, sat down and listened to the song. I'm I'm confused. So you've heard it with your ears, but you haven't listened to it. You asked if I listened to it. Kind of this... Kind of like the amount that you had listened to um, Taxman before. No, I had never heard Taxman before. You brought it to my attention at the beginning of this podcast. And we are so far off from Lord of the Rings at this point. So wait, I'm I'm just confused. Have you heard the, have you heard my humps before though? He's heard that part of the song. He says that segment. Yes. I'm saying I haven't listened to the entire song. He's heard the chorus of the song. Where? I've been on the, on the internet. Random compilations, it's shown up before. I'm aware of the song. You, you listen to Black Eyed Peas compilations? No, it Probably shows up in YouTube. other compilations. Black Eyed yeah, Peas, like best, YouTube best of Black Eyed Peas. No, fuck, I don't like the, the Black Eyed Peas at all. Hmm. 
I'm just confused. Like, I don't know what compilation would only contain the chorus. Have you have you ever heard Gifts with Sound? Have you ever heard of that? It's from a few years. Like, the, it was something that was kind of popular a couple years ago. Because Gifts don't usually have sound. They're you. They, they're usually right. silent. It would be it would be a, a an animated GIF with and then be paired with some random uh, 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 audio. And it would be kind of it would be kind of like a like a TikTok short or just other like short, but the audio doesn't match up with what's in the actual video. I think shorts mm. kind of killed the gifts with sound format, but it'd be something like some guy like like some kid just like spinning around on a fucking. Uh, like one of those like rural things at a playground, just absolutely lost control, and it'd be like the interstellar theme kind of thing. Or my humps in the, the background. No. So I'd be watching compilations of those, and something like my humps would probably come up to someone doing some random bullshit. I don't like know. what, like what kind of video, like twerking or something. Maybe I don't fucking yeah. know. I don't know if twerking was really a thing back then. Hmm. This this was literally like seven or eight years ago. I think twerking was a thing hmm. seven or eight years ago. People twerked. Yeah, people, people did twerked. Twerk. I don't think I don't know if it was called twerking then. I think twerking's been around for longer than we realize. I, I think even then they would have called it twerking. I, I think we've lived the act. I think we've lived parallel with twerking for a long time. The act. I don't think I've. I don't think I was aware of the term twerking until a few years ago. I, I don't remember exactly when it became popular, but it was. I feel like the end of my time at college. I don't. Like I don't remember hearing the term in high school at all. So, see, I I feel like it did, the the term twerking did start becoming common knowledge when I was in high school. Maybe the later years, I don't know. Well, it, it sounds like we probably aren't changing the theme song anytime soon, Connor. Well, no, we're not. We'll we'll see about that. But um, the one thing I, I wanted to point out was, uh, you know, I just want because because you sang it, you know, wonderfully. But um, I would just make a slight edit um, where where I, I, I'd go, my chumps, my chumps, my lovely chapter chumps. And that's that's how it would go. Oh, because I said lady chumps. Yeah, which which is funny, but we're not ladies. And uh, <laughs> No, it's just that the only direction you gave me was to replace humps with chumps. Oh, I know. No, it's so not. It's, it's, it's I guess not I didn't fault. take it far enough. It's not I your fault. took it very literally. No, he, you, you went full like computer. You did exactly what he told you to do. Yeah, you would have been a good AI. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, So, anyways, today we're going to be talking about uh, the the last book of the final book. The first of the first two chapters of the final book. Yes, the first two chapters of the final book of the last book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes. Book six, chapters one and two, the Tower of Sirith Ungol and the Land of Shadow. Dun, dun, dun. We're finally, uh, we're in the home stretch. Yeah, we, I we was, are. We are finally discussing so the Frodo and Sam stuff, guys. I, I'm sorry for spoiling it, but like, I cannot believe we got a Shadow the Hedgehog cameo in the second chapter. <laughs> you know, that's like his home turf. There- that's so cool. Apparently, there's going to be a like a Sonic and Shadow Generations game soon. I saw something about that on like Twitter. Didn't today. Connor? Didn't you 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 text us about uh, Shadow being voiced by um, Anakin, Anakin Skywalker? Yes, I did. That happen. What is he? That's 
in the movie. That's still just a rumor. That's still just a rumor, I believe. But I could I could see that voice working. I pictured yeah. it in my head. Like I I imagined it, and it it works really well. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it'd be great. Um, it's just still weird to me that like. I don't know. Jim Carrey might not be back, but then like maybe that's also why bringing Shadow in might work. You know, Wait, it's like you kind of need to. But but you need. Is that really a, like to... a, a thing that's confirmed or a rumor? I thought that was. I thought that was true. I thought that was pretty true. I hope not. He's one of the best parts of the first two movies. Yeah. Hmm. Shit! 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 I gotta look this well, up. Well, yeah. Um. I mean, I remember when the movie was, like, shortly after the movie came out, I think that was a big topic of discussion. And now, uh, I, I, I remember mean, him I, saying I don't, I don't follow effect, it, but I just yeah, never I heard anything either. to the contrary, you know? Right. Um, but either way, like, it was cool that, um, like, when the orcs are about to, to uh, discover Frodo and Sam, like, Shadow comes along and does chaos control to uh, freeze them in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I was submachine gun and <laughs> yeah, I never, I never realized that um, this was like the origin of that. That that Tolkien came up with that. So it's just another thing that Tolkien kind of kind of invented, you know, out of uh, whole cloth, as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you find anything on the Jim Carrey thing, Connor? No, um, I, I I searched Reddit, but the the one of the top results is um. It's from r slash fan theories, and the theory is that Jim Carrey plays the same character in The Truman Show and Sonic the Hedgehog. All right. Well, so they, so that's, they think that's so, so they think stupid. that they think that Doctor Robotnik is is what happens to the guy in The Truman Show. Who, you know, loses his mind because he's his whole life is a TV show. I think it kind of works. Um, here's, uh, I don't know. I've never heard of this site, but this there's this article from this site called The Gamer. It says. Uh, Sonic 3 leak storyboards seemingly confirm Eggman's return. Jim Carrey will be returning to his role as Dr. Eggman, something that initially seemed unlikely after he retired from acting in 2022. Oh, okay. So I think it's all because of the retirement and or him saying he's retiring, which I feel like he's said like multiple times now. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if we would put stock into that. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll we'll see. But then even if it is, like wouldn't it be weird if Jim Carrey's like final film was Sonic the Hedgehog 3? Would it be weird if his final film it was Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Mm, I think it would question. be I mean, it, if if his last one was Sonic the Hedgehog 2, it would almost be tragic because there's clearly more story to be told. But if they if they can conclude his role then it's like you can kind of have him bow out and, and sort of end that plot line in the movies. And I, I think that'd be worthwhile. God, he's he's Dr. Eggman. I know. I mean, I think maybe they'll just stop that interpretation of Sonic. Like, you make a trilogy, mm -hmm. and then, okay, you know, maybe you you, you make some other Sonic movies after. Fair. Or, or maybe you do, like, some weird... I don't know, like Mobius stuff or whatever, or yeah. you know, shit where where Doctor Eggman maybe doesn't have to be around. Robo Eggman. I was really hoping they do like just completely adapt Sonic Adventure and and then Sonic Adventure Two. So I'm a little part of me is a little disappointed that Shadow's coming in in the third movie because I really wanted to see Perfect Chaos on the big screen. It's they always could remix it. It's and tough. I wanted to. 
And I wanted to see the fucking egg carrier and all that fun stuff that I loved about the first game. But it's it's just tough to go to to pace yourselves in in that way when you're making such a uh, big budget franchise movie because there's no guarantee that the next one's gonna be green lit. Like they, like they're already super lucky that they've made two of these Sonic movies and are making a third. Like you know, yeah, fair chances fair. are you know are are not high that there's going to be a, a a fourth one. You know, like at that when 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 you look in the history of of like these video game franchise movies. So true, An unfortunate Plus, truth. I mean, like the perfect adaption of this wouldn't be live action anyways. I, I hope that it ends and then someone fucking wises up and just makes like a, a big budget Hollywood adaption animated film. I mean, that that really should be the goal. Absolutely. But you're, whatever. You're right. Hey, you know, kind of on that topic, you know, um, sometime, I think like towards the end of this year, uh, I, I believe it's through Amazon Prime because I guess they, they have a deal with like the Tolkien estate. That's why they're also releasing or have released Rings of Power and are, are continuing. But they're going to be coming out with an animated Lord of the Rings movie called like Ride of the Rohirrim or something. Oh, I had not heard it, that. It seems to be about, um, I mean, I guess... I guess the Rohirrim and Edoras. No, I thought, and... I thought it was about the dwarfs. <laughs> you know, those so, guys who haven't shown up at all since The Hobbit, except for yeah. uh, uh, Glowin. Right. Yeah. But uh, that's that's uh, sometime this year. And, and I, I believe there's even a couple other interesting Lord of the Rings things to look forward to that people who are who are much more into this would be able to tell you about but um i'm sure people will well, love we it still have it'll be great we still have four peter jackson movies to get through and two uh rankin bass movies yeah we're, we're gonna have to figure year. out how much we're what that will look like yeah yeah but we'll we'll get to that that's a discussion for us to have on the side um i'm well, one of those peter jackson to... one of those peter jackson movies is going to be in the next like two months most likely so yes keep keep an eye out okay, indeed indeed that is a must we will be watching peter jackson's return of the king after we finish wait our book i forgot too there is a knuckles series coming out animated or live action um connor i don't know how else to say this i don't care <laughs> I, I don't it, want though, you to. I don't want you to keep talking about oh, what pe- you're. People saying. are people are predicting that that, that there's going to be a Knuckles trailer that's going to release during the <laughs> I, Super Bowl. I I I want you to during shut the fuck during up. the Super Bowl. I'm going to air a Knuckles teaser trailer. To you, shut like, the fuck up. That's could what you I imagine want. living in a world where they 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 do a teaser trailer for the Knuckles series at the Super Bowl? Like that would just be insane. <laughs> Well, they didn't do the fucking SpongeBob thing when the creator died, so... Well, they kind of did, but... Not like everyone was hoping they'd do. What? What does that mean? When SpongeBob's creator died, there was a big push from the fan base to play the, like... uh, What's the song? Um, Sweet sweet Victory? Sweet, Sweet Victory, yeah. Um to play Sweet Victory at the Super Bowl, like that episode, uh, uh, Band Geeks, or whatever it was called. And there was a lot of excitement about it, and 
they managed to get like a five second thing of like the fanfare from the beginning, and then it whoever was actually performing like just kind of did their own thing. So the SpongeBob fans were upset, but I don't know. That was like four or five years ago. And you do not want to rile up that crowd. Let me tell you. Now they're weirdos. Anyway, Lord of the Rings. Okay, Connor. To answer your question, it's going to be a uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up. It's going to be on shut Paramount the Plus. Fuck up. The what Netflix are you show saying? is going to be on Paramount Plus. God. All right. Chapter one. But that wasn't your question, though. You wanted the to know if it was animated. Of I don't. I don't have the answer to that one. I didn't ask. I didn't ask. Well, that, that's the one that you asked. Was if well, no, I didn't. So you, no, 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 no. You are. You are complete. You're conflating. I didn't ask that. Josh what? asked that. Oh, did Josh ask you that was question? It Josh? I asked animated or live action. Oh, okay. I didn't ask you any question. I said to like stop. Your voices, <laughs> like your your you know voices, sound very similar sometimes. Okay. Well, that's a you problem. So please try to, um, you know, set yourselves apart from the rest. <sighs> like, just do, do something kind of funny with your voice, you know. Chapter no. one, the Tower of Sirith <laughs> Uncle. Chapter one, All right. the Tower okay. of Sirith yeah. Uncle. Thank you. So, so this chapter, we, we finally pick back up with Samwise, Mother Ethan, Gamgee. And this is immediately following uh, the events of the Two Towers, the very end of that book, where like Sam runs into a door and is kind of knocked out. And, you know, Frodo is being held in this tower. Sam just figures out that he's alive and Sam has the ring. And, um, so where this chapter starts, Sam, Sam's kind of like regaining his, uh, he's getting his bearings and he has to figure out, um, how he can find Frodo and how he can rescue him. But he is certain that Frodo has been taken into this tower and um, he assumes that he has been brought to the very top, the highest point of the tower. Because I guess that's just what you would do if you brought someone into a tower who was a prisoner, right? Um, I guess so. Just feels like video game logic to me, right? It's like, they could be anywhere. It's like, no, they're probably at the top of the tower. That just feels right, so... Everyone gets the Rapunzel uh, treatment. Yeah, but but Sam Sam does end up being correct. So I, sometimes that's just where people are in towers. <laughs> um, and uh, Sam kind of has to conquer his fear and reconquer it several times throughout the course of this chapter, um, because he he has to go on a very harrowing and difficult journey, and he starts off by wearing the ring. But as he approaches the tower, um, he he comes to realize that wearing the ring is too dangerous within Mordor. They, they are too close to Sauron and the forces of darkness. And so what could have been maybe like the most useful place to use it while you're infiltrating a tower ends up, uh, you know being also one of the places where it, it's effectively unusable because um, <laughs> it would yeah. just give away his location, ironically. So 
Um, I want to talk a little bit more about that. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that. But uh, So Sam has to go it alone without the power of the ring. And he does ultimately succeed. He uses the file of Galadriel. He uses Sting. He scares some orcs. He does a lot of sneaking around. And eventually he finds Frodo in the very top of the tower. Um, it would have right been a lot harder, but like all the orcs are dead. The, the orcs had a orc fight over Frodo and his stuff. So it actually wasn't out. that bad. And we find out how all his stuff ends up at the... Uh, um, the Moranin, the Black Gate of Mordor. The Black Gate, thank you, yes. Couldn't Indeed. remember the name. Yes, very true. Um, so yeah, Sam rescues Frodo. Um, pretty much kills an orc, even though Snaga also falls down a hole and breaks his neck breaks his but like own, he, he yeah, breaks his own he, neck he pretty much kills an he, orc shit um and yeah so so frodo is rescued sam gets him some clothes and uh food and you know whatever they can get to kind of like rest and recuperate because then they have to escape the tower and as they escape the the alarm bells are kind of going off a Nazgul descends, and they have to pass, you know, back through these, uh, like, Watcher statues I didn't mention before, but those kind of pose a threat all their own, but... Yep. But, uh, yeah, they, they overcome them and get through as, like, the gate collapses behind them, and the chapter ends with this feeling of, like, oh, you know, they're, they're being pursued, uh... The, the Nazgul is coming, you know, and it's, it kind of leaves off on you know, not quite a cliffhanger, but like sort of the promise of this this not being a clean getaway, that uh that there is more to like their escape afterwards in the next chapter, which we will discuss. Yes. So those those like guard statue things you mentioned. Yeah. For some reason I kept imagining them as those giant uh like hopping statues from the wind waker that you had to throw bombs at yeah i kind of get that i don't know why i thought of those specifically but uh that noise they make when when they spot you was in my head when i was reading this (laughs) so nice i like that yeah that's cool that's all i had to say on those (laughs) i Uh, i um i was very happy to get back to uh Sam and and Frodo and and their part of the story. I kind of forgot about the half and half thing, and so when I opened up the book, I was like, "Oh yeah, they still exist. They're they're still doing their thing." Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think Sam got incredibly lucky with all of the infighting uh, with with the orcs, um, but it 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 was still a triumph. Uh, you know when he finds Frodo, it's it 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 was a uh, a pretty you know sweet moment. Uh, you know their their reunion. Yeah, Nova, what are your thoughts on this? Hmm. 
Well, I, you, I gotta say, I'm sorry, but I, I just completely disagree, Nova. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I just I don't think you could be any more wrong. Um, I do. I uh, Connor was saying that Sam Sam got very lucky with the infighting, and it's like that's definitely true. There's like ten separate points where it's like, wow, they got really lucky. There's like so many times where it's they, they seem yes. to be like at the the very precipice of utter defeat, and that's like, oh no, they're uh, so they're okay. Yeah, they're <laughs> fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I I think that's it's it's fine in my book just because it's you know it is kind of signposted beforehand like that the orcs are they they don't get along with with other factions of orc you know and they're yeah um very quick to anger so like it all makes sense but yeah it's also like i don't know wouldn't wouldn't the big guy up top you know prevent that from happening or i guess he's too distracted with other things right now I guess. I would argue he may, he might even encourage it because if they're fighting each other, they're not fighting him. Well, yeah, but but they're also letting the enemy number one get away. Fair point. Yeah, it does. I guess I do kind of like that the orcs fight amongst themselves. Um... Because it sort of prevents them feeling from, uh, you know, being just like uh, stormtroopers, I guess, which are generally, I, I think, like they're they're thought of as standard kind of bumbling guy. and ineffective. And then also, it's like you you never really get any insight into like why there's this uh, giant hive mind who's like fiercely loyal you know it's like whatever you just tell them to do anything and they're just like fine we'll do it and and i i like with the uh the orcs at least um you know they they don't mind uh you know kind of criticizing the higher-ups they don't they don't mind thinking that like their boss is an asshole and the nazgul are all like uh i don't know corporate managers or something trying trying to like fucking tell them what to do um you kind of get the feeling that the orcs don't really want to be given like they'd be happy to just like i don't know drink all day and and whatever but instead they've like somehow been uh you know wrapped up into serving the dark lord and and like they don't really want to be doing that that much yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that is true, and it it does it makes them interesting as as far as adversaries go. Um, just that they are they they they're all individual, and they all hate each other, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. I and uh, I mean, not not only was the reunion of Sam and Frodo nice to see. Um, uh, you know, I, I I also liked kind of uh, seeing some of the effect of the ring on on Sam and and you know I think it, that it's what it was tempting him with. What was that? What what it was tempting him with? Well, yeah, I mean, 
more so like it, that that it, it just felt like he he handled it with a maturity and a knowing that I feel like we you know it's it, it you don't really see it um so in a way it kind of felt like you know Sam is kind of he's the sidekick he's a you know what you know some people think of him as like a weakling or or you know not a strong guy but he handled you know utilizing this this really powerful weapon better i think than than uh others would or have in the books um and then you know you kind of see that with uh with you know frodo uh going off on him about about getting it back you know and his been his his little hallucination um yeah so yeah i mean a thief it it was nice to see that that it's kind of uh you know that his priorities did not change drastically when the ring was on like he felt the pressure but he was still loyal to his to his master and to his uh his goal um and, and so i thought that was a that was a good character moment for him Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. It was uh, interesting seeing what the ring tried to tempt him with, and he's like, "No, I just." It was like you can be like fifty feet tall and have a garden that spans the the entire nation. You're, yes. He's just like, "Nah." Yeah. I just want a small garden. That that was a great part. It's like you know, I I uh, I I must. <laughs> I'm just a little guy. I don't need it all, you know. Like I, like I just need my <laughs> little garden in Hobbiton. I don't want the whole world. I don't want to control people. I just want my my own little space. Um, and that's, I mean, something I think a lot of people can identify with, right? Yeah, I um, that that part also jumped out at me, and I I took the line down. It it reads. Uh, the one small garden of a free gardener was all his need and due, not a garden swollen to a realm, his own hands to use, not the hands of others to command. And and yeah, so I, I also really like that part and it made me think that like um uh it's uh, not not to disagree with you Connor about like Sam's capability and emotional maturity like in that moment, but I, I also felt like um I think what really saves Sam in this moment and and what uh, allows him to resist the temptation is just his humility and and how humble and grounded he is, which which is what you were describing. But yeah. like, um, I I just I feel like it kind of like tells you everything you need to know about Sam. Like he just doesn't. It's almost like he. It's too much of a reduction to say he can't be tempted because he does consider like that possibility in that moment. But mm. there's there's sort of this feeling of like he wants so little that what the ring shows him like he could have is like so so much that he you know Sam's like well this is ridiculous you know <laughs> it it almost like maybe it would have worked if instead it was just a vision of him with like a five by five foot garden smoking a pipe and he'd be like, all right, I'll put the ring on, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but he's like, I don't want to command an army. Like that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think you're right. Um, yeah, he, he, he is a very grounded character in a very, uh, or like, you know, it's probably the most grounded character in, in the whole, you know, book series really, who is just on an extraordinary adventure and, uh, 
he hasn't lost that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, he finds Frodo naked. Oh, to- yeah. Totally naked. Yeah. In the nude, completely. As yes. you do. And uh, and I think there's like a moment where like you know he's he's so he's so happy to to find Frodo alive and Frodo's happy to see him that like you know he's like holding Frodo in his arms and yeah there's a moment where it's like I like this could last forever and I'd be you know if, if like yes if, if if like this was just forever I'd be eternally happy or something like that and I I mean it's a very nice moment but you know and uh, it it's just another. Uh, Another one of those moments where it's like, you know, I think they think that maybe this bond is stronger than just friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so let's talk about it for a minute here. Cause like <laughs> I, um, I also was sort of immediately like, Oh wow. You know, Sam is finding Frodo naked here. But then it's like, yeah, you know, that doesn't have to be inherently sexual, right? It's like Frodo has been made a prisoner and he's he's stripped of his belongings. Like it might it might even really be a, a humiliating moment. So yeah, yes. it's it's not necessarily I wouldn't call it a sexual moment, but just just you know, there there's a vulnerability there between the two of them that that right. they've, they've not ever shared, I I don't think. Yeah, you might be right about that. And then Really, the thing, like, the second part of what you said is, like, sort of the most, uh, um, like, crucial, I think, to, to that reading where, yeah, like, you're, you're right. Like, literally, the line is, is that, uh, Sam would be happy if this moment lasted forever. Yeah. And, um, they've done this a couple times in moments of friendship and, and other characters do this too, but I'm pretty sure that Sam kisses Frodo on the forehead here as well. Um, so it's, it sort of is always like the, the kind of back and forth between like, well, could, could it be read as, uh, just, just really powerful moments of platonic friendship. And I think it's there, but like to, to also say that it couldn't be interpreted as, a, a homosexual love, I, I think, is also just way too dismissive because it, it it just feels like there's more than enough room for both readings, considering the way that Tolkien describes their relationship, and yeah. um, and this did feel like another moment that that could definitely be interpreted that way. Um, I also think there's really a, there's really something, showcasing that. Yeah, yeah, I think there's something in the next chapter too that. Uh, gave me similar thoughts but uh i guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there if i recall i i won't bring it up just yet because i'll wait till we get to that chapter but i i'm guessing that you and i may have focused on the same moment which i took a note of so (laughs) we'll circle back to that and you tell me if it's the same moment when we get there um josh did you also have any of those thoughts like in this moment like was this something that made um, you feel like kind of builds on that interpretation that we've been talking about or not as much no yeah I, I fully agree with everything you just said the it was it could definitely be interpreted either way <laughs> right um and it, that was in the back of my mind when i was reading this but um not quite at the forefront it was like just i, I wanted to try to get through the meat of the story because i was once again, very tired while I was reading. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. 
I, I I've taken to reviewing my notes before these podcasts now, just so I can pre like what the fuck was I saying? Right. When I wrote that note, <laughs> um, I, I still might have to pause to just parse my own handwriting. So apologies if that happens later on. Are there any notes you'd like to get to or or shout out while we're talking about it? Um, I don't think there's anything related to this particular moment where they meet. Um, oh, well, when they right before they meet, um, where is it? They're in a tower of death. Literally, it's full of death. And Sam sinks. He does. <laughs> and my that's just Tolkien at it again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tolkien's gonna Tolkien, right? So pretty much. Uh, I I don't know. I did kind of like that moment, though. I did like that moment. Okay, teach their own. I I mean I I don't hate it. I'm just joking. But yeah, it it was funny to me that the first song of the sixth book shows up in literally a, a dead room full of dead orcs. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you're in the heart of evil and you're singing when you're supposed to be hiding and searching for your friends. Good. That, that is smart, but that's kind of the whole point of that scene is that he is so despondent. It, it just kind of breaks him a little bit and he sings because that's all he can feel like doing. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I, I I felt like that's why it um, why it worked for me was sort of feeling like uh, even in the the crushing oppressive darkness, you know, Sam is sort of able to to create his own small moment of like comfort for mm -hmm. himself, which you know it's you know it's like yeah it's cheesy or whatever, but. <laughs> I I guess I just like that that Tolkien has been very much on the side of hope overcoming the odds. Uh he's he's ultimately writing yeah like a a, a very uh a, a a story about um like fighting back against um overwhelming evil. Yeah. Or or even just like nihilism, you know? Yeah. Just like not not giving in, not not giving up. It's like you you fight until you can't pretty much. And mm -hmm. it's a it's a simple message, it's a simple thing that he keeps coming back to, but moments like these um I I appreciate I guess like thematically for for what I feel like Tolkien's maybe trying to say with them. Yeah, and I right. and I can acknowledge that it's kind of silly. So I'm not. Yes, I'm. I'm definitely not disagreeing with you either, Josh. Because I also had the same thought where it's like, oh, okay, like we're just gonna sit down and sing, like completely, completely. Yeah. Yes, it's funny. It is, but but I think it works. Yeah. I totally agree. What were you gonna say, Connor? Oh no, I'm just saying uh, that that I'm I'm pro singing i thought it was you know very very hobbit very sam 
Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you, Connor. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, it's almost a bit like uh, Sonic Underground, where it's like yes. they fight against, uh, you know, the forces of darkness with uh, rock and roll. Very much so. Very much so. I, I, I would not be surprised if uh, Mr. Tolkien was inspired by um, the best <laughs> animated Sonic series out to there. To come out 50 years yeah. after he died. Yes. Wouldn't be surprised. Mm. <laughs> uh, so yeah. At any rate, um, I I, I want to read off a couple notes just from the beginning of this chapter. So sure. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I believe this is on the first page, but Tolkien gives a exact date. He's he says that um, this chapter picks up on the fourteenth day of March, and he continues on to say. Even now, Aragorn was leading the Black Fleet from Pelagrier and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. I have have a simpler note. It was just like, Sam may not know what day it is, but Tolkien sure as hell knows exactly what fucking second it is. He's letting us know. Yes. (laughs) Yep. So just another way of Tolkien, like, sort of overlaying the, the stories and events that we've already read with with what's going on now. I, I honestly, like, as, as much as I make fun of that, I do really, like, appreciate that he's doing that in this, at the very beginning of this book, where it's like, all right, we're we're switching gears to a completely different story that runs parallel to the one you've just read. Here are the events that are happening, um, and, like, that you've, that you know about, and you could put the, you could put these new stories into context, and, well, here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's uh, a also yeah the date was like that. The, the date was nice because th- this started in September, right? So we are now officially six or seven months in. Uh, yeah. Or am I? Or am I misremembering? And September is when uh, Bilbo left the Shire. No, no, no. Well, I think you're right about both because I think when I think they did the whole thing that like when Frodo left. Oh, right. it was maybe it was like also this... on his birthday, right? Didn't they both leave on their birthday, and they share right. a birthday? Is that the thing? Yep, I think it was like the the same like time of year. You're right. Um, yeah. So yeah, they uh, they've been at it for about half a year. Yeah, true. And now we have uh, some some reference to where they're at the timeline. Next, I want to talk about Sam wearing the ring, which I kind of thought might have been a bigger part of this chapter. <clears throat> um, and I get why it isn't, but it also why it isn't sort of raised some other questions for me. Uh, these these were my notes and my sort of thoughts on it as I went through. I, I was thinking, so Sam wears the ring, and... And also, we know that, like, part of Aragorn and Gandalf's plan for uh, marching toward the Black Gate eventually is that Sauron suspects that Aragorn may have the ring. That that he is, like, a new, you know, ring lord or whatever they, they call him. Yep. Um, and so we also know that when someone puts on the ring that... 
the forces of darkness sort of gain an awareness of where the ring is. And as I read through this chapter, I was like, even that was kind of called into question. I'm like, how specific is that? Because, well, uh, I'll circle back to that. But <laughs> I was like, does it make sense for Sauron to be under the false impression that Aragorn has the ring when Sam has worn it as recently as this moment when Aragorn is sailing up on the ships to get to Minas Tirith. Because you have That's to imagine, like, considering the two locations, right? <laughs> um, but then there's a couple caveats to that. One is, uh, it's Gandalf's assumption that Sauron thinks that they have the ring. Sauron hasn't said that, so we don't really know that that's Sauron's belief. That's just Gandalf's assumption of what Sauron believes. But, well, it but it does kind of feel like that assumption is confirmed when so many of Sauron's forces have been amassed at the Black Gate to confront Aragorn. So right. even though we don't get a explicit confirmation, it feels like from the story events that are happening here that yes, Sauron believes that Aragorn has the ring. Okay. So there's that. But then, uh, so as, as we go on, um, we get this line, uh, it says, he, Sam, took off the ring, moved it may be by some deep premonition of danger. And so Sam does choose to not wear the ring, wisely it seems, sort of based on, like, instinct rather than, like, any actual knowledge that he has. Which is fine, whatever. Like, he's true-hearted and, and all that. And then, ultimately, um, this is where I wanted to end with this. Sam, on page 177 of my copy, let me open up to that real quick. He says, he says, and anyway, all these notions are only a trick. This is just after the, uh, the vision that we, that he had that we're discussing. <laughs> He'd spot me and cow me before I could so much as shout out. He'd spot me pretty quick if I put the ring on now in Mordor. Well, all I can say is things look as hopeless as a frost in spring. Just when being invisible would be really useful, I can't use the ring. And if ever I get any further, it's going to be nothing but a drag and a burden every step. So what's to be done? And so here, Sam mentions, if I put the ring on here in Mordor specifically, he says, Sauron will find me like immediately. Um, and... Why did I feel like I was going to say something else? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd spot me before I could so much as shout. He'd spot me pretty quick if I put the ring on now in Mordor. Yeah, I guess that's really my, my last point. So, so let me just wrap all this up, and then I want to hear what your thoughts are on like the whole thing. So yes. Sam kind of comes to realize, I think, from wearing the ring earlier, like at the end of the two towers and the beginning of this chapter, that that it becomes more dangerous to wear it in like the closer proximity to uh 
to Mordor and to Mount Doom and to Sauron, whatever it is. Um, and so he's like, okay, I can't wear the ring. I guess all I mean is like, so, so, so before <laughs> Sam was wearing the ring in this very same chapter, Sam yes. was wearing the ring, but apparently like, because he was a hundred feet in some other direction, it was okay in that moment. And then we get this moment, Tolkien literally writes something like, you know, Sam has crossed into Mordor, right? And yep. somehow, Sam, like, internalizes this this understanding where he's like, well, now, like, he's crossed the, the threshold. He's crossed the barrier. And he's like, well, now if I put it on, I'll really be fucked. And it just calls into question for me, like, a lot of things on like what is Sauron's sight even he's portrayed as a fucking giant eyeball but does he actually even see anything like when someone puts the ring on does he know where anyone is because it's like what the fuck do you guys get what I'm like saying with all these different pieces here like I I think I do and you are you bring up some good points I would suspect that Sauron's attention has been just, I guess, distracted by the, uh, the, the Aragorn's forces amassing. Well, at this point, no, it wouldn't be that it would be, uh, the battle that's yes. in the, in, in the process of being waged. And I, I mean, I think that's something that's said in the, the end at the end of the last book where it's Gandalf is all like, we need to keep, Sauron is distracted and we need to keep his, his attention. That's the whole thing of like, we're going to be the bait came from. Yes. So I, I do think it's possible that Sauron is simply just distracted. And when the uh, ring gets used on his doorstep, he just doesn't notice. So that's, that's my, my theory at least. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. I I don't think that there's anything wrong with the idea that uh, once you cross a certain threshold, that a magic thing will be easier to magic detect. Harder. You know, like I like I feel like uh, there may be some extra sensors that Sauron has uh, all throughout Mordor, and um, so. Although maybe there was a high chance before he crossed that threshold that he'd be found, it was kind of it, it's it's a uh, no longer even a chance. It's like a certainty, you know. Once once you are once you've crossed the line of the sands, but who knows? Yeah. Um. I do think that's all true, and I. It's it's not that it like. It's not that I think it's bad. Um, it just raised more questions for me that I hadn't really been asking or, like, I hadn't fully considered until this point. Like, before, fair. it felt like, okay, I, I get it. When you wear the ring, um, then the forces of darkness become more aware of, uh, of where it is. And I'm, that's a really cool idea. I've... You know, I'm like, I totally but get that. It's not that. like 
it's not like instant detection the second you put the the ring on it. So there's they're more aware, yes, but they're not like omniscient about it. Yeah, I I do think that is uh what you're meant to infer from how how things play out in the story. Um. And yet, like, until this moment, until this chapter, I never really thought about, like, hey, what what actually are, like, the powers of detection and, and insight that the, the enemies have when, like, when he wears the... Like, is it, like, Sauron so- has a giant mini-map with a dot that suddenly appears and disappears? And it's like, no, it very much no. seems like it's not that. Every time, every time you ro- he you put the ring on, Sauron gets to roll a d twenty for for uh, insight or investigation, and he usually has like a plus ten. But when he when you get to like Mordor itself, he has advantage and has like a plus fifteen. So you better hope your stealth is is really high. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice isn't really great today. Yeah, I guess I just feel like Sauron should have a. A greater, uh, I don't know, what do you call that? A multiplier or a... uh, Modifier. (laughs) Modifier, thank you. A greater modifier than that. Feels like it should be like plus 40. Feels like you shouldn't even have to roll. I guess that's what happens when you're in Mordor. I don't know. Probably, yeah. Okay. Well, if we don't have more to to add, that's fine. It's, It's just like the whole ring thing and and Sam, like, you know suddenly realizing like oh well i i definitely can't do it now um i like that idea because you know just as tolkien writes very clearly here it's like wow this is like this would be a great time to be invisible and yet uh in in what feels like almost a kind of video gamey way there's sort of a limitation placed on this character where where you have to figure out a situation without uh, the tool that you would otherwise rely on. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Which is cool. Okay. Um, I like how several times throughout this chapter, Mount Doom... We finally is, get to see it. Yeah, is like noted. Its presence is... is here. Excuse me. Um... That is one of my notes. Mount Doom appears. Yeah. <laughs> known, really known as Orodruin. Or, Orodruin. I don't know. Orodruin. Orodruin. I, I, yeah. think, I think of it as like Orodruin. But, you know, but... Uh, Prob- that's probably it, based on pronunciation I've heard for other things in the Tolkien universe, so... Yeah. But that's, that's cool. It's like the end goal is finally in sight after all this journeying and walking and and everything it's like five books later <laughs> they can see it it's there um yeah that's cool josh how about you read off a couple notes here i, I only have a few sure. more but i'd like to hear from you i found a very interesting distinction. Um, where does it actually say? But it was a distinction between servants of Sauron and slaves of fear to Sauron. True. Uh, 
uh, that that just struck me as a just a very interesting distinction between the two. Yeah. Uh, since his return to Mordor, Sauron had found it useful. It being uh, one of the towers. Uh, for he had few servants, but many slaves of fear. And still its chief purpose of old was to pre- prevent escape from Mordor. I, th- I think it may be referring to Sirith Ungol. Yeah, I believe so. Shoot. Drop something. Um, but yeah, no, that just to me, that was like, oh, I guess Sauron's power isn't isn't just like mighty military power. There's like a soft power aspect to it of like fear of what could be done instead of what's actually being done. Yes. So I just found that interesting. Yeah, I wonder. Sorry, Josh, go on. No, I was going to change the subject. So if you have something to add, please do. I just wonder how much the. uh, uh, What do you what do you call it? Like the spectrum of degrees between servants of Sauron and slaves of fear really spans. You know, it's like how many servants are slaves themselves anyways. Well, I, I think that's what the distinction is. I think like the slaves of fear would be more of like the the orcs and the the men of Westerness and people who just don't they they don't see a way out. I guess uh, people who would, might want to escape if they could, but like the servants would be like the mouth of Sauron or the Nazgul. I see. Right. Um, like literally, people who want to be there. S- serving Sauron. I mean that the uh I mean that's part of the description right there is the the tower that was meant to keep things in Mordor is still doing the same thing even though it's controlled by the forces of Mordor. Yes. So I imagine who wh- whoever that tower is meant to keep in are the slaves of fear and the ones who are doing the the keeping are the uh the servants or the well maybe not necessarily all of them cuz there's a lot of orcs there. But well, we see how that works out. Tower. Yeah, the ones right. in charge of the tower, are the ones keeping everybody in, not necessarily the ones staffing it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's true, and it, and it is interesting to think because it's like the orcs are the main force that we encounter throughout the Lord of the Rings books, and there is sort of this idea it feels like where, um, yeah, they're they're sort of pressured. Yeah, uh, into, into doing my, this. My mind just went, there was an idea. <laughs> Gathering the group of heroes from the Avengers. Mm, nope, don't know what <laughs> you're... And that was like early MCU. Like, Nick Fury is like, there was an idea of gathering the world's greatest heroes together to avenge it. Something that... Well, I'm, I'm not quoting that exactly, but... In, instead, Sauron gathers a whole bunch of slaves. Um, yeah. But I, I do... I guess I just like the idea, especially like considering like the Herodrim, the, the Wicked Men from the South. Um, from our hero's perspective, they're very quick to just label them as evil. They're, they're wicked men, literally, is what they're described as. We get that one scene in the Two Towers where Sam is like, hey, did this guy even want to be here, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, 
I was going to bring that up. <laughs> thinking about how how like they might be able to be viewed as slaves themselves, uh, I, I think kind of shines a new light on that, and and um, without really changing much, sort of has you questioning. Uh, the extent of Sauron's power and like and and how much willingness or, or will of their own uh, all these enemies that the the company keeps running into it's like they don't they're not even fighting for what they believe in you know mm-hmm. they're doing it out of fear so I guess when you when you really think about it, it's like the servants of Sauron, we probably can only be certain of like ten people. The nine Nazgul and the mouth. So out of the thousands Maybe. and thousands and thousands of, of people who fight on behalf of Sauron, it's like there might only be enough to count on two hands of, of those who would truly serve him. Maybe. I wonder if uh, Saruman and... Uh would also count under servant, but no, he seems to have been influenced. I'm not certain if fear is what motivates him, but hmm. Yeah. But of course, it's an idea, like, not one I fully thought through. <laughs> Saruman does sort of want to fight, especially initially, he wants to fight against Sauron while he's still amassing his power. That's part of his deal. Right, but that, I mean, that's power hunger and greed that's more than uh like fear of sauron although well that, that's he what do, he does I, I mean he's serving him but he he's expecting to usurp him i guess yeah uh but at the same time he is saying stuff like he knows uh like there's no stopping like no one can stop Saruman or Sauron. The two fuckers have the same fucking name. Um, so there's there's no point in resisting. Yeah, I maybe think if anything, his Sauron with is. A, I mean, no, no, they have the same message. You're remembering rightly. They come to the same okay. conclusion. And and that could be construed as a a type of fear between them. So. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I think um, at, sort of as we near the conclusion of this story and it becomes clear Sauron is becoming more nervous and and even maybe panicking a little bit um, as the tides are turning here, that even though his power seemed insurmountable and, and like his... His influence was was so endless and uh, difficult to resist. It's like it's kind of all an illusion, you know. He's he's amassed so much, but it's sort of all predicated on a lie, and he himself doesn't really have anything except the potential for power that he's leveraging to get people to do his bidding, you know? Yeah. So I, I got a few more notes I want to get through quickly because Nova is begging to go outside now. Sure. Um, so I did note that the power of the ring, uh, 
grows with proximity to the Mordor, which we kind of knew, but or now it's specifically Mount Doom, the the place where it was forged. Uh, it tempts Sam with illusions of power and and uh, wealth, like we talked about before. And when he refuses to use it, it it then becomes a huge burden on him, and weighs him literally weighs him down. Um, yes. So just noting ring stuff. Let's see. He sings in the tower. Got to that note. And um, we touched on it briefly when at the beginning, uh, when we were talking about Sam and Frodo's reunion. And how Frodo kind of calls him a thief and like Sam isn't really as affected by the ring as other ring bearers seem to have been. I had uh, noted this as the golleming of Frodo continues, but he still he can still resist the ring eventually after he goes through that little bout of madness to like my precious give it to me. Mm hmm. Um, after he gets through that, then he's back to Frodo for the time being. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I'm seeing more and more of, of Gollum in Frodo in these these latest latest chapters. I feel right. Yeah, I think it's it's even it's not even just like oh he has to go through that little bout of madness or whatever, but it's once he has the ring. He can really only calm down once he has the ring. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is a excellent point. Um, oh, and a nice little detail. I don't think we picked up. We we mentioned, but before we find out that Snaga is dead, we when Sam is handing stuff back to Frodo, he hands up Sting, which isn't glowing. Oh yeah, I thought I thought that was a really neat, subtle detail. Oh, it's not really subtle when you're reading it, but it it was a nice detail. If you know what what that means, it's like oh, I guess that orc who fell down the stairs is dead. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's cool. And those were all my notes for Sarah Uncle. All right, I have a handful to finish up. Do you want to let Nova out now, or should I just speed through? No, we can. No, you can go ahead. She'll be fine until we get to our break. So. Okay. Uh, so, small one I wanted to mention, but just given our history of pointing these things out, I wanted to say it. Uh, there's a footnote in this chapter, and because we're oh, reading right. Return of the King, we actually can go to the glossary or the index very readily and look at the footnote. Did anyone do I that? I saw the footnote. I didn't even think that it was in this book for some for some reason. I probably thought it was in another <laughs> book. And the other thing is, I was I was kind of planning to go and read, try to read the appendices, um, before our final discussion on the book, just to have that context when we get into that discussion. I'm, I'm not saying you guys have to, but that was kind of my plan. So, yeah, that's interesting. I don't believe you're gonna have like a you're you're gonna have a whole book to read though, buddy. I don't believe no footnotes for me. I say no footnote, no problem. I think footnotes are cool. No footnotes, no problems. It depends on the footnote. It when it directs you to an entirely different book to get the context of the footnote, then yeah, Lord of the Rings footnotes have not been well organized. 
It's just opinion. right. It's it's funny that it's all within Return of the King, and it. I, I'm sure we sound like a broken record, but it it does also kind of point back to the Lord of the Rings being considered an one text, because yes. if it's if it truly is one book, then all of that information would be at the end, and yet it's split into three volumes, which makes the appendices very unwieldy. But if it were one book, uh, it'd be very simple. So, mm-hmm. anyways. Uh, the the footnote. It's just when the orcs are talking, and it's because like all the other orcs are are dead. Uh, they're I think it's they I think actually. Insult, don't they? Well, I think it's Snaga saying that he thinks like an elf warrior is coming because of the end of the two towers. They they mistook Sam's actions as that of like a mighty elf warrior, and then he says or a Tark T A R K. Yeah, and then that. a footnote there. Tark is a like orcish slang corruption of an elvish word that means man of Gondor. Huh. So that's all it is. So they're they're saying, hey, maybe it's an elf or maybe it's a man of Gondor. That's it. But you wouldn't know that unless you looked at the footnote. And that's exactly what happened. So thank you for sharing. Um, okay. I, there was another line in here that I wanted to, to mention on the topic of um, Frodo and Sam's potentially romantic relationship. When Sam is looking for Frodo, we get this line. He longed only for his master, for one sight of his face or one touch of his hand. Just feels like a very strong desire. Yep, that's pretty uh, pretty explicit. Yeah, as far as I mean, Tolkien goes, I I think if there's one thing we could say, because we've kind of mentioned how sexless Lord of the Rings feels otherwise, you know, like even like with Air, with Aragorn and Eowyn, it's like Eowyn really fucking wants Aragorn. Aragorn, you know, might as well be a Kendall. Um, <laughs> it's like he does not care. And so I, I think the, the moments of like greatest passion and physical connection come from Frodo and Sam. And so like I, I think also because the surrounding events of the Lord of the Rings are are largely very aromantic and uh, and sort of diminish those kinds of feelings that when we see them, given like this attention here, they feel maybe even more heightened than they would otherwise because Tolkien only gives so little. And when he's attributing that to Frodo and Sam, I think that also can be a reason why it, it, it kind of feels um, like it could be a romantic relationship for what it's worth. Uh, and then only two more notes I wanted to mention. Go for it. Frodo and Sam get new Mordor outfits. They get like their little orc disguises. <laughs> which come in handy later and just felt like a very classic, you know, good guys infiltrating the, I mean, I, you know, I love star Wars. I'm obviously yeah, thinking about fucking death star. Yes. Yeah. So wait, this do you felt think, like the death star moment. Do you think that Tolkien got some inspiration from George Lucas on this one? I think they both took that from Shakespeare. If I had to guess, <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel I, like I feel like taking the bad guys' clothes. Uh, is to, that one of the guys that writes for just... Marvel? No. Oh, okay. But I feel like that's such a such a ubiquitous trope. That's either a Shakespeare thing or it's like Greek tragedy, comedy, like ancient storytelling trope. Yeah. I do not know for sure one way or the other, but uh, it it does feel like such a general thing that it yeah Tol- Tolkien's probably pulling it from somewhere, but um, I just like that it's here. So there's that. <clears throat> and my last note, uh, also something I wanted to mention because we we've mentioned it before. I think there's only been maybe one time where it was like super super clear, and then there's always that like eh, if it's just once, then maybe you know is it being misinterpreted or? But no, uh, Tolkien doubles down. When uh, Sam is holding the file of Galadriel, I think towards the end of this uh, chapter, we get this line saying that the light of it, it, it is, it's, it's illuminated to grace with splendor, his faithful brown hobbit hand. Yes. <clears throat> oh, I missed that. No, I picked up on that too. I, I, I read it and I was like, okay, well, there's no, den- there's no denying it. Like, yep. why do people yeah. even try? Like, what's, like, I mean... It's it's pretty clear at this point, right? That's what it feels like to me. I mean, twice he's been described as brown skin now. So it's like I if Sam was just really tan, doesn't it it feels like Tolkien would use a different descriptor. Absolutely, like bronze yep. or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, he's I think brown. I think that's absolutely it and uh I mean says a lot about people who, who feel so passionately against you know what what's clearly the intention of of the author um i don't know yeah it's funny because remember when we were talking about the two towers movie and i, I think you were using the term whitewashed and i was like that's wrong you're not yeah. using that right but <laughs> from this understanding now you know what i mean you could you could actually say that Sam was whitewashed in the movies that's, as a canonically yeah. brown character. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> the entire time you did, you did I guess you didn't pick up on it, but yeah, that that's what I meant. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Anyways, I I just I I just like that. I just like that uh Sam's bra- I I actually I have to say because as I'm reading the books, I essentially picture the movie characters for all of the characters as I read. Same. Very much the same. And I, I had been uh, picturing Sam, the, the actor for Samwise Gamgee from the Peter Jackson films as Sam in the books. But I have since sort of tried to make my own Sam in my head. Because I don't feel like I can just take the actor from the movies and make him brown. Like I, I don't know, my yeah. brain can't like do I mean, that. I, I think it wouldn't that's, be right. I don't think anyways, that's allowed. You know? I think that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anyone to come to my house. You no, know? But, no, no, no. So I, I've, I've sort of. It's funny because like in my head, all the characters are just exactly the same, and then there's like different. Sam, like I just have this other <laughs> Sam kind of bumbling around the movie set now. Um, 
but I, uh, I, I've kind of tried to take that into account and it's, it's been yeah. fun. Um, so it, I, I like that that's come up again, that, that Tolkien describes him that way again. Yeah. Yeah. Same. No, I mean, uh, it's, it, you know, he's, he's consistent, you know, which is, yeah. Like, if he wasn't consistent, then like the, 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 the debate would have some, you know, merit, but, uh, nope. Yeah. It's just racist. Yep. Sucks All to right. suck. Uh, right wing Lord of the Rings, Twitter <laughs> accounts. Go so fuck those, yourselves. That's right. Those those are all my notes for this chapter. I did like this chapter, um, and yeah. So so Frodo and Sam are reunited, and then they're they're kind of on the run, and then we see what happens next chapter. Wanna take a quick break before we discuss that? Well, yeah, let's, let's take a, do it. Let's make it as much as I want to go quickly. Let's make it a ten minute in case Noah takes your time. All right, a tight ten. No problem. All right. Okay. So chapter two. The Land of Shadow. This chapter, I felt like, picks up... uh, It does pick up right where the previous chapter leaves off, but it just did not have the forward momentum and the energy that I assumed it was going to have um, at the end of the previous chapter. It's like, as they're, they're escaping the castle, it's like the gate is crashing behind them. And the Nazgul is descending from the sky like a bolt, you know, and things feel very urgent. And then, and then we never see the Nazgul again. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Nazgul, the I think, kind of feel like just nine different Boba Fetts where <laughs> you're like, yeah, I mean, they're undeniably cool as hell, but... What do they actually do? How how do their actions warrant their reputation? Because seems like they don't really do anything. Nazgul spin off when they scare they scared a guard in Bree and stabbed some empty beds. They got washed away by a river. Uh, they flew around and their leader got stabbed by a small guy with an old sword. They did stab Frodo that one time. Oh yeah, they did do that. Point but for the Nazgul. Fine. <laughs> but but he was fine. So um, I just think the Nazgul are very cool in theory, and they just unfortunately really don't get that much to do. Um, they they feel threatening, and yet when it comes time for them to make good on any of their threats, it's always like. Oh yeah, Next the time. hobbits got away. <laughs> Next time, gadget. <clears throat> um, Don't know why I thought of that, but so yeah. Anyways, uh, so so Frodo and Sam, <clears throat> they do make it out. They they start by crossing this bridge, and as they hear like this orc army approaching, they're like, "Oh, we have to jump off the bridge. It's the only way." And then they only fall like ten feet, which kind of feels like. When uh, Tolkien sort of uses that that gag in uh, the the two the beginning of the two towers where Frodo and Sam are climbing down the hill with the elvish rope and then like they don't yep. know how long the drop's gonna be and then it's just the fog is just like over the ground. Yes, right. It's just obscuring like one foot of distance and it's like oh yeah everything's fine. Uh, yep. So it it kind of feels like that moment. 
Um, which is another one of those, you know, we also were saying like, hey, there's a lot of coincidences and close calls and lucky breaks. And there are. And yeah, again, it's not it's not bad, but like there are a lot of them in these two chapters that we read here. And this also feels like one of them where it's like, whoa, you know, I just feel like that's something that happens in a story in general. I Not necessarily a Tolkien thing. I just feel like that's a that's a storytelling thing. Yeah. Yeah. For piss poor writers. <laughs> who don't know how to craft I mean, a story adequately. You, you tell them, Connor, you tell them. Yeah, the the only good story is a series of unfortunate events. Hmm. Someone should write a story about that. The only good story that just like contains like a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, Connor, it's called the Bible. Oh, and it's there's actually a lot of fortunate things that happen. And in that's the Bible. really the only good story out there. Oh. What do you need? What do you? Need? Okay. Interesting take. Thank you. Maybe we'll read that next. That's my vote. No. All done. Josh says oh, no. Jo- Josh said no. Yeah. Josh said no to the Bible. No, no, is that, no, anti- is that blas- Is that blasphemous to is say no anti-Bible. to wanting to read the Bible? I don't know. This just in. Josh is anti-Bible. <laughs> I've already read the Bible. Okay. Ow. You you don't want to reread it. Pretty much, it's a long book. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what would a, what what would take us longer. Uh, the time that we've spent reading the entirety of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit or the Bible from beginning to end? The Bible. Eh. What if we listen to the audiobook uh, narrated by Andy Serkis? <laughs> <laughs> I heard he does a good job. Does, does he do different voices? He does, uh, yeah, for every character. Yeah, for the different characters. Be good. I dropped something. Anyways, so, so, uh, Honestly, and I, I, I had no idea, Connor, the, you know, that, that little green alien from the Flintstones, he's, ori- <laughs> he's originally from the Bible. He just shows up. I, 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 why, no are, you ta- why are you talking about this little green alien from the Flintstones again? Why has that been like your thing? Oh no. Cause, cause he's in the Bible and, and they just, they, <laughs> they bought the rights to him and used him to, and decided to use him in the Flintstones. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, who do you buy the uh, rights from? The Pope. For, who, who, who holds the rights for the Bible, buddy? The Pope. The Pope. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Wow. Okay. Durr. All right. What I, I don't really care what you are saying about that, Connor. I'm going to move on. Um, it's... I don't know. You're just like too. I'm honestly like I don't know. Even I'm not in the mood tonight. Is the thing? I'm not in the mood tonight. I'm not like, either. This, I'm not either. I don't know. Fucking, yeah. Like little these no, little fucking know. things you're doing. I don't um, know why. I don't know why th- these things are coming out of my mouth. I'm not in the mood either. Believe me. <laughs> okay. All right. I well, can't control it. Shit. I know. Yeah. I mean, you are like the the podcast gremlin. Um, mm-hmm. We love that about you, though. Okay. Mostly. <laughs> I mean, Josh does anyways. I don't. I could take it or leave it personally. But Fair enough. It's fine. Uh, so, so mostly this chapter is, uh, it's kind of a walking around in the woods chapter, but they're in Mordor. Um, so there are no woods. No, there's bushes. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
but but in spirit, I still really like the term walking around in the woods chapters because I mean that's that's kind of where it all started, and um, it, I think yes. in a lot of ways Tolkien never really left the woods. You know no, what I'm saying? No, no, so, I think you're absolutely right. Just like us. Uh, just like us. That's right. So this, this yes. does to me feel very much in in line with that. Um, I think like the the most important thing that happens is. As Frodo and Sam are making their journey, essentially, if they were going to take the shortest path to Orodruin, Mount Doom, to destroy the ring, they would go due east and make a beeline. However, uh, it becomes clear from their vantage point that Mordor is a lot more populated than they were anticipating. There are a lot of camps and sort of like shanty towns and small villages uh, that kind of dot the some of the more main regions of Mordor, uh, populated by orcs and by uh, men, the Herodrim. And so they can't take the uh, the simplest path forward. And so instead of going due east, they go north and. It kind of seems like they're going to be making like a large U or V shape where they're going to have to go north and then eventually kind of complete the arc and go south. And they'll, I, I think they're going to head towards Mount Doom that way. But they haven't really gotten to make that return trip yet because as they kind of like go through these different trials and tribulations as they make their way through the land of Mordor. Um, important things that happen are one pretty damn sure Gollum is afoot and tracking them mm-hmm. and Sam Sam has a pretty strong sense for these things and uh, and he's he, he feels certain that it was Gollum that he saw uh, snooping about sneaking yes sneaking um, slinking even and stinking. And stinking, absolutely. So so Gollum is about, but uh, Sam pretty much just chases him away. Uh, or, or rather, Gollum runs before Sam can even get close enough to do that. So he's, he's very wary, and he's, uh, he's you know, making space and, and staying sort of at the edges here. But, but he is afoot. And then... As uh, Frodo and Sam continue to make their way north, and Frodo becomes like weaker and weaker, um, they end up <clears throat> they end up being uh, like wrapped up in this march of orcs <clears throat> that are marching to the Black Gate in order to fight against Aragorn. Mm-hmm. And for a while, you know, they have to march for a very long time, and Frodo already was about to keel over, and now he's forced to march in an army, and so, like, it's very tense, and just when Frodo is about to collapse, another lucky break, uh, there, there's another, like, advancing force of orcs that crosses paths with the, uh, the, the regiment that Frodo and Sam are in. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, these orcs just do not get along. They start fighting, of course. <laughs> and in the confusion, 
Frodo and Sam uh, are able to slip away from the army undetected, and they, they, they crawl away to safety and then pretty much just collapse from exhaustion. And that is where our chapter ends. What do we think about this one, boys? Um, I okay. agree. I agree with you and uh, the fact that it's a walking around the woods chapter. I did have the thought that, um, like, I I kind of think that if Tolkien paced these books, like, structured them um, differently, as in not, like, having the two halves separate the main character's journeys, like this book and the last have done, like, I feel like maybe the walking through the woods chapters would not be as um like they wouldn't stop you in your tracks as much i guess um so yeah, that's just a thought that i had i i could be totally wrong but i feel like i that might be um making it a little bit harder to uh <clears throat> to connect with or or to you know be be enthused about for me um but that that being said, like this chapter was not a bad walking through the woods chapter. Things do happen. There's, um, th- you know, there there's some good character stuff between Sam and Frodo. You know, like uh, that whole uh, sequence where where um, you know Sam is letting Frodo sleep, and then he sees the the star in the sky and gives him hope yeah. and stuff. Um, yes, that's, that's all really great. Um, and uh you know then, then then he falls asleep feeling hopeful and safe with with frodo and it's, it's just a very cute moment um you know I, I i like getting a little hint of Gollum again i you know i miss that little guy um i think it's hilarious that all the orcs just think they're orcs like there's just no you know like <laughs> there's like nothing that uh, there's nothing about them that that would give them away uh, you know i guess like they're yeah. with the camp that's like the slightly smaller orc, but uh, still, I you know that 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 kind of makes me giggle. Like I, I who knows? I guess the, the the orcs are on a mission, but um, but yeah. So I mean that that was funny, and then also you know I think it's 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 uh cool to see you know the effects of the ring just intensifying so much that you know Frodo can can barely keep it together. Mm-hmm. which uh, this this chapter illustrates pretty well. Yeah, I agree with all that. I was wondering if you could maybe just say a little bit more about um, how you feel like the structure of the book makes it so the walking around in the, in the woods chapters are, like, more boring or harder to get through. Like, I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, it, it sounds like you're sort of imagining um, how... If 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 you if you thought about it anymore, or I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, how do you feel like restructuring the books might make it so these chapters are easier to get through? Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, I I I feel like um, if if you were to pace the book like a traditional book, or or at least like a modern um, traditional story, you know, you could cut from uh, uh, an, an exciting Aragorn and friends chapter to to a boring or or less interesting uh walking through the woods frodo and sam chapter that would you know it might not be super super captivating but the change of scenery i think would you know would would like give you more 
um, fresh material to like latch onto, or at least for me as a reader, I feel like if I was, you know, if if I wasn't um, stuck with the same crew, I've been you know reading about for like the last five chapters with you know you know and, and we get another yet another um walking through the woods chapter um you know i feel like if it, if if we got to change the scenery change the characters it would do a lot to make it feel feel less slow and plotting even though the chapters would be the same yeah okay i get that i'm interested what you consider a um modern like classic story whatever you however you worded that because i feel like lord of the rings is one of the archetypes for that well yeah i mean i i you know modern i i definitely mean um more recent than lord of the rings things things that you know stories obviously fantasy as a whole contemporary yeah you know fantasy as a whole has has been been largely influenced by tolkien obviously but um they they kind of have shed the uh the the main influence of tolkien's writing which you know is is kind of like the that old school epic poem kind of storytelling um so so yeah i don't know i mean uh you know, if it was written like Twilight, I think it would be a lot better. Yeah, I can see that. Or Fifty Shades of Grey. Hmm. <laughs> that's that's what you're thinking of when you say a uh, modern traditional yeah, story. Exactly. 50 Shades of Grey. Exactly. Uh, pretty much only those two books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Connor know if they've come out with any other books since then. Yeah, I, I can't think Con- of any. Connor just wants more sex in his books. <clears throat> please, yes, please. Please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, wait. Why not? Why not? Uh, Fifty Shades of Air Gray. Hell yeah, baby! A- Fifty Shades Air of Gandalf gray. the Gray. Oh yes! Wow, Something there was like a much better Lord of the Rings pun in there. That was good. <laughs> hey man, I I. I could see him really being into some some crazy shit in the bedroom. Maybe. I mean, she has a lot of spells, you know. Yeah, he does. He'll put a spell on you. Josh, have you Josh, written any thought? What do you think of this? Uh, no, no, we're not gonna. He has not. You can't, don't about? speak for him. He's his own person. <laughs> Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Jesus. Uh, Josh, have you given any thought to how Gandalf might fuck and how he might use his magic to enhance his fucking? I, I didn't want to take no, your I've answer not, away from you. I've not put any thought into that whatsoever. Oh, that's surprising. But now you will. No. You sure? I'm pretty sure. We'll we'll check back next week. It could come unbidden. It could be like as a means of this conversation. Like maybe it's an intrusive thought that you yes, have later. Yes, exactly. And if that happens, just you know, everyone gets intrusive thoughts. It's normal. Don't be scared. But but you know, write that thought down and then get back to us next week. I barely write down my non-intrusive thoughts. If <laughs> why would I write down the intrusive ones? If like suddenly the idea that like you know Gandalf would be really into pegging with his staff or something what, pops uh, into your head, the then fuck? then write it down and and save it for the pod. 
Oh, I can I can see who's really been thinking about this. I mean, yeah. yes, I'm never not thinking about this. Hmm. That explains quite a bit, actually. Hmm. Oh, man. Uh, Josh, what do you think about this chapter? What are your general thoughts on the chapter that you might like to share before we get into our notes? Um, it, w- it definitely was a huge change of pace. The, uh, the, the previous chapter was uh, following Sam pretty closely and felt well paced i mean there was there was action they they had their reunion they they got out and it like you said it 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 ended on this huge like action sequence where the gates collapse and the nazgul's uh diving down on them and then it just cuts to like quiet um just back on the road kind of feel except things are way bleaker than they ever were um and it, it it definitely was a bit of whiplash and I I think I had some difficulty getting back into the swing of the on the road, let's talk about this one thing for a page and then like a day and a half passes in a in a sentence. And I I, I definitely went to the map a couple times to try to figure out where they were going, because I thought they would just go like beeline across mortar but now they're going like up north following the mountains yeah and then i think they try to double back and then they're and then the uh they run into those goblin orcs or whatever and they're like nope you're coming this way get in line um and that i was kind of under the impression they they ran into uruk high but i'm also not entirely unsure if uruk high are just saruman's orcs or not. Yeah, I don't have an answer for you. So I, I, they were definitely bigger orcs from the text. I just wasn't sure which was which. Um, I think the the word uruk is in there, but I'm not looking at it. So the uh, but yeah, other than that, it was just kind of like what Connor was saying. It's it is actually a little boring this time around and. I I know what has yet to come. It was interesting when possibly Gollum showed up. Um, when when the first hint of that, they they overheard an orc talking to another orc. There was some hint of that, and I was like, maybe it's Gollum. Maybe it's uh, I'm looking for the name. Chagrat, the one who ran away with all of Frodo's stuff. Um. But it, I was even when I wrote that note, I was pretty sure it was Gollum at that point, and Sam all but has confirmed that. So, hmm, right. Also, there were some bits about the water, them having to go find water, yes. which I found interesting because I seem to remember that they were warned not to drink the water in Mordor at some point, and I don't know who gave them that warning if it was Galadriel or Faramir. Um, but that mm. does not seem to be on their mind at all if that is a real thing or if I am just misremembering what that warning was. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, that wasn't on my mind, but now that you're mentioning it, it does sound familiar. I think that may have come from Faramir because that's when he was talking about, um, 
like what that waterfall or whatever it is by their encampment it's important for them yeah. to keep it clean because the waters of uh minas morgul have like been corrupted and polluted right so yeah i don't know if it's like all the water in mordor but there definitely is a part where faramir mentions something about that i would i would Wait. say you're right about that you mentioned pollution. I think that may be where I'm getting mixed up here because it may just be it's just bad water in Mordor. And Tolkien mentions that it's like metallic and oily when they when Sam first finds it. But since they're so dehydrated, it's the sweetest water they've ever had. So it's probably full of lead. Mordor is just full yeah. of lead pipes. Well, do you think... Um, it's a good thing Sam brought his family Sam- up. Do you think that Frodo and Sam would prefer to drink Clifton Park tap water? Can we not get into this? I'm just wondering what you think. I I think that we should move on from the water discussion now. I I mean I I I don't know. I I think um I I think Sam probably would take a sip of of the Clifton Park tap water, but I think he would be hesitant. Because they're, they're, you know, they're they're not used to tap water, right? Like that's not a thing in Hobbiton. No, it's not. They don't you have, would have to get it like from a well. Yeah, you have to get it from a well. I'm pretty sure. So, so you know, I think if he saw like a sink in somebody's home, he'd be he'd be he'd, you know be a little bit skeptical. But I, you know, I think if if like you were good natured, yeah, I, I just I just <laughs> I just feel like you're over you're overcomplicating the question because I'm like Woods Wood Frodo and Sam. You know, would they like to drink Clifton Park tap water? And and then you're like, well, how would a Hobbit react in 2024? <laughs> like they're just like you know, everywhere yeah, they they'd look, freak out. Everywhere they look, it, it's like sensory overload. Like they're in a they're in a grocery store shitting on the floor. <laughs> like I'm just I'm just out. asking, I'm just asking if they would like the water. You oh, know? I know, but 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 you know, your question prompts a whole. It opens a can of worms for real. So, what, yeah. what do you think, Connor? Do you think? Sam would 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 be okay no. With? no 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 no, no. I, I I do think that um I do think that our modern day water it it, it would be like giving an iPad to uh, Neanderthal you know it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. they they have no frame of reference like there's no concept for for them I think the water would be so so different and and so like modernized in a way that they would like be disintegrated if they drink it. Like their, their atoms would be ripped apart. I don't think they could handle it. Yeah. There might be like bacteria in their water that, that they are so used to and, and need that, you know, with all this filtered stuff, it would just be, it would maybe have, maybe have an adverse reaction. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, so yeah, they drink water. They do do that. Um, all right. I, I really only have a few notes for this chapter. I just want to go through a couple of them here. Um, so we, we did talk about the ring becoming more of a, a burden. Um, but I liked Frodo's line. He, he has this to say about it. He says, wait a minute. I was just about to read this, but I'm realizing there was something I think I wanted to say. Josh, what were you talking about before? Not the water. Um, the Urukai maybe being who they run into. Um, 
Gollum or Shagrat, probably Gollum. 95% certain, 99% certain it's Gollum. Uh, mm. What about at the, at the very beginning of your discussion on the chapter? How it was kind of boring compared to the ending of the first the, the first one we read, like you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, you know, I it's it's yeah, not coming no, to me. Want, sorry. It's okay. No, no, don't be. I I I'm the one who I think got distracted. I think there was something I wanted to comment on what you said, and now I can't think of it. But if if it comes up or if I remember it, I will come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I want to say about the ring and Frodo's comment. He says. The ring is so heavy, Sam, and I begin to see it in my mind all the time like a great wheel of fire. Um, talking about the Eye of Sauron, of course. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I just, what I do like about this chapter is we see that Frodo is becoming more and more hopeless. Um, and there there is a kind of moment where uh, I, I think it was Connor who mentioned the moment where Sam sees the star. Um, that is a, a really great moment for, for Sam and just like within the story. <clears throat> but it's interesting because like I think I think uh, just before that or just after that, like Sam mentions something that makes him feel very hopeful. It might even be when they found the water initially. And mm-hmm. Sam's like, wow, isn't this great? Like this is awesome. And Frodo just immediately is like, this sucks, Sam. This couldn't be any worse. Why the fuck? You know, why are you saying there's nothing good about this situation? And Sam just like deflates, you know? Um, so I, I, I like the way that uh, I guess the ring is having this effect on Frodo. And, and maybe in turn, like how... Frodo's demeanor is having an effect on Sam, who's like trying to sort of stay hopeful and cheery for both of them, but like it's really hard. It's like you're essentially trying to save someone who wants to drown. Like it's it's really hard, and Sam's doing a lot of work for both of them. Um, so I, I like their dynamic here. Um, yeah. And then maybe just quickly going off that, talking about the star, and then I'll, I'll pass it off if someone else wants to jump in. But um, there's this line that, that Tolkien writes, too. When Sam sees the star, he thinks to himself, The shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. And I'd, was I'd that... that too. Oh, well... Um, I just like that because Sam sort of gets this cosmic uh, perspective and, and you know, uh, especially within the last book, and, and I mean book five in Return of the King, uh, there's, it's made a really big deal that it's like perpetual night uh, around this area. And... Yeah, of course that's horrible. Very scary, right? Feels like a sign of the end times. I get it. But Sam's kind of realizing it's like even if shadow covered the entire world, uh, 
it's still there, there are points of light that you know even even the the darkest powers can't reach like these stars are are, are so far beyond um the domain of Sauron that it's almost kind of funny it's it's sort of like a pale blue dot kind of feeling where Sauron is the momentary master of a fraction of a dot and yet from from that outside perspective looking at the star it's like well not who cares because obviously it affects all the people of Middle Earth and they're trying to defeat Sauron but like from that that cosmic sort of vantage point Sam is realizing like the power of light is so much stronger and so much more present than darkness, even when it seems like darkness itself is oppressive. Like, there, there is always a stronger light somewhere else, even if you can't see it all the time. Yep. Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's absolutely um, the sentiment that I took away from it as well. Um, yeah, and, and it's, it's a nice nice recurring theme i guess throughout the series um which you know is is it's it's a very human desire or idea you know to have hope in the the darkest of times you know and uh um yeah no i think that's one of my favorite moments of the in in this book so far i think yeah Nice. Yeah, it, it is. It is a really powerful moment. Um, Josh, do you have some notes you would like to go over next? Um, yeah, sure. My only note for that line that you read verbatim was just this, because <laughs> that even in my like half asleep state when I was reading this, it was like this is an important line. I, it like it's breaking through my my tired my exhaustion on Sunday to just be like I I need to note this line here and it. It literally is just this with an arrow to it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yep. Uh, I do like how the beginning of the chapter, like towards the beginning, not necessarily the beginning, uh, we start to see a lot of the same things that was being mentioned at the end of the previous book. Um, mm-hmm. Like that, we see we start to see the change of the wind and. Uh, the morning has dawned, even though it's not as bright as it is over in Gondor. Um, so I just thought that was a nice, like, keep us uh, keep us aware of what's going on. Um, that's that's also, true. Can I comment on that before you go on to your next note? Yeah, I mean, my next note's literally the next thing, but yeah. Well, I was I was wondering what you guys think about this because as they talk about. Uh, so yes, like the the morning dawning and and all that, and then also like the perpetual night that they experience. Uh, there's a lot of description about the uh, lava and the massive smoke cloud coming from Mount Doom, and I was wondering if Mount Doom itself is the origin for the seemingly endless night. Like I was wondering if if what people are perceiving as like the the overpowering reach of Sauron and the and the perpetual night that they're experiencing i was wondering if that was literally just the growing smoke cloud from mount doom oh yeah no i think i think the darkness was probably that eruption um at least from a 
from the perspective of like here is a physical explanation for the for the the impossible story that was told kind of perspective i mean it's middle earth it very much could have been the sun just didn't rise for a few days uh and that just happened to coincide with the eruption but i don't know it's i think that's more interpretation for the reader uh personally i believe i believe the volcano is supposed to be a component uh, the ash of the volcano is supposed to be a component of the darkness um and then also there's like magic afoot a little bit yeah right all right connor do you have thoughts you have your microphone ready oh no no i i uh i think you're you're both right hmm all right i just wanted to throw that out there while you mentioned the uh the whole Yes, the the light dawning and and the night and as I was reading through this chapter, I was like, oh, like I, I think it's actually all the volcano this whole time, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. And yes, I, I do think it's also it's not a coincidence that the volcano is erupting now. Like it's an extension of Sauron's power, yeah. and like you know, it's it it's happening at this moment for a reason, and I think it's a, a calculated premeditated move like we've seen how Sauron has power over uh, certain aspects of nature and the environment especially in Mordor I'm sure so it makes sense uh, I just didn't think about it and and I like that Tolkien draws attention to that uh, but right. but 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 go on Josh because you want to say more I think I was gonna move on to uh, it's like the next paragraph where again keeping with the whole like thing keeping the the timeline in order as we go along uh tolkien mentions it's the 15th of march and theoden lay dead lay yes. dying on the palinor fields and my only thought on that was beware the ides of march because that's 15th is the ides of march oh shakespeare yeah that's from uh, caesar i believe i wonder yep. if if, right if that's that. where I, want, I i bet you that's where shakespeare got it from I think that's where Caesar got it from. No. <laughs> We're talking about Little Caesar? The pizza mogul? No, 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 no. Regular Caesar. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, the Ides Caesar of March Milan, is when... the dog whisperer. Regular Caesar. Okay. Now I, now I know who you're talking about. Okay. Good. Little Caesar. <laughs> What is that? We've been a very, uh, very dour energy through this podcast. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, I don't know. It's a weird day. <laughs> Have we all had weird days? It is and, a weird day, yeah. And our, and our, and our, our three timelines are converging here in I this think moment. So. Yeah, to just, just trudge yeah. through our podcast. Yeah, it's kind of a weird energy. I've had a weird energy all day. It's, uh, I can yeah, feel I it. I don't know. It's not. It's not a criticism. I just. I, I guess. I feel like I have to shout it out because it's like we're all. I, mean, I think we're all kind of like yeah. getting that right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not. Sure. It's not any one person's fault. I'm. I'm kind of like right there with you guys. I think it's. I don't know. Well, yeah. We can just. I think it's you one know, of those days. I don't know. It, it's one of those days. You. You know. We can pretend that everything's fine, hunky dory, or we can lean into it. You know. So true. There's there's such power in uh, honesty and vulnerability. Absolutely. 
And listeners, you know, um, sorry if we fucked up your day, but you're now you're <laughs> like one to, of us. I like to think I like to think that everyone's having the same day that we are at all times. Yeah, probably. It's much more likely in my mind. <laughs> Josh, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. Not really. I, I we had a bit of a dead zone. You brought that up, so. Um, my next note is there's a point where they're looking out over the, the valley and starting to see all these, uh, these camps and stuff. And I'm not sure if the thought occurred to me bef- right before this happened, or if it was just like retroactive and I was so tired. It, it just, the timeline didn't save properly in my memory, but, <laughs> um, I, the thought occurred to me at some point of how does Sauron feed his army? And if everything is dead, where does the food come from? And I'm pretty sure that came after this part, but uh, yeah, he Tolkien just goes into this whole description of all the, where all the food and water and Mordor comes from. It's just this slave worked fields down South where Frodo and uh, Sam haven't been to yet uh, near this lake that is on the map. Uh, in Mordor. Uh, I'm looking at it. Remember the name. Uh, the, oh, the Sea of Nernan. Right. Which, it's called a sea, but it's it, it just looks like a big lake on the map, so. Yeah. It's, uh, It is what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I just thought it's, it provides the logistics for for how these things happen. Even even if you're yeah. not asking the question, you even know? even the dreariest of fuck, what's that word that I wrote? Um, places. <laughs> My handwriting was so bad on Sunday. Uh, even the dreariest of places, like dreariest of moments of the entire book, and they're like, and this is where the orcs get their food. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's looking for you. Oh, and I guess I yeah, really he, wouldn't know that. He has considered it. It's it's very much uh, to me. It feels kind of anti George Lucas, where you know he'll be like, "This one planet is just a single biome. It's just one. The entire planet's just one thing. The whole planet." Well, and well, Lucas is Tolkien's like, like, well here's here's how the enemy forces are able to grow their food even in a seemingly desolate landscape right and i i feel like this kind of goes back to the whole concept of the the iceberg storytelling where where star wars will give you the tip of the story and you if you want to drill down later um tolkien just dumps the entire fucking iceberg on the deck of your boat yeah so but i think a big difference is that George Lucas only created the tip of the iceberg. And, other and then he it had in, yes. other, right. He, and then other people did the rest. Whereas like, yeah, Tolkien started with the bottom of the iceberg and then built up. Yes. Um, yeah. And the only other note I had, cause we covered the other two already um, at the very end when they're being, uh, marched with the other the other orc goblins. Uh, 
one of the the drivers is whipping them, and he says, "Where there's a whip, there's a will." <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's a song from one of the Rankin Bass uh, movies. I'm not certain if it's the one we've seen from The Hobbit, or if it's the, uh, or if I just know it from the. Uh, uh, the Fellowship movie because I, I I know I've heard the song before because someone brought it up on the internet a couple years ago um, so I'm aware of it but like during one of those Black Eyed Peas compilations you watched before no fuck oh I'd forgotten all about that in the course of the, the podcast <laughs> um but no no the uh the, it, it was some discussion about how the music in the Rankin Bass specials like was actually like kind of good, and I just don't remember if we we saw where there's a whip, there's a will in the Hobbit when we watched it a f- few months ago, or if it's in the upcoming ones. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I don't think it was in the Hobbit. Um, there was a song. I just don't remember what the song was. There were several songs. There was more than just one. Uh, the, it would be one that the orcs sing. Yeah, I don't think it was that one. Um, I'm going to look it up. I mean, I wouldn't really feel the need to say this, but it just... Like, I thought this is where you were going with it, and then you were like, oh, well, you know, feels feels like that's that's connected to this Rankin-Bass thing. But, like, we are... I mean, that's why I thought of it. Okay, but we do know that it's like a play on... Oh, yeah, popular. where there's a... Yeah, no, I do know that, too. Okay. Where there's a whip, there's a way. Cause, I mean, because I thought that it is pretty funny. Like, I thought that was pretty funny. That's some good orc humor for you. So, yes. Um, that's like that's like some classic, looks like meats back on the menu, boys. But, you know, not Peter Jackson coming up with it. That's, that's, that's a Tolkien orc humor line right there. I like that one. Um, okay. So I'm going to go through my last few notes here. So one was, uh, I think maybe literally the first thing that you read in the Lord of the Rings at all is, is the ring poem. And as I, you know, the, the title of this chapter is the land of shadow. And, and here we are like, finally, like for the first time, uh, really, exploring Mordor and and learning about it. And that, that title, Land of Shadow, kind of felt like a callback to that Lord of the Rings poem uh, with, with the repeated line, in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. So I kind of, it felt like sort of a fulfillment of Tolkien starting his story and and really just hinting at like the, the darkness and the shadowy nature of Mordor and then finally here at the end having our characters experience it for themselves and that that felt like a a cool sort of full circle moment to me um and only two other things i'd like to mention one connor you had said uh hey i think maybe there was like another line on frodo and sam's potentially romantic relationship that that came up in chapter two and I was like hey I took a note of that uh wondering if it's this one after they take a nap uh 
we get a line saying they woke together hand in hand. Yes, yes, that's absolutely the line, yes. Which just it's like, okay, it's one thing, you know, you're you're sleeping with your with your bros or whatever. I mean, like, it's normal to sleep in the same bed as like your totally best friend. Totally like, normal. Even that your, is a normal thing to do. Even in your thirties. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like, it's no. not weird to sleep in the same bed as another guy. Like, no, that's fine. You know. So friends but, are for. But if those two hypothetical friends were to awake hand in hand. Does it not feel like maybe there's a bit more meaning that you could attribute to that? Yeah, you know? there, there, there just might be. I mean, it's uh, I, I, it, it makes me want to watch their relationship grow and bloom in in ways that I know we won't. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's not. Right, we do know that it won't become that because because otherwise, right? It's like that's. It, it would be a very different story. Um, but again, it, it is interesting that it's there. It really feels like it's there. That This has one of, been one of the biggest surprises in my mind of reading through the story itself. Because Absolutely. so much of the plot of Lord of the Rings, as someone who has seen the movies several times, as someone who has been a nerd for a very long time and... and you know, grew up uh, during the release of these films, like we we have all have said many times, feels like much of the story of the Lord of the Rings has been internalized, and and so there aren't many plot developments that make me uh, do a double take. But the way the story is told and thinking about the differences in Frodo and Sam's relationship, or maybe not even differences, you know, um, but but just the way that that relationship is portrayed. Yeah. in the the story itself in the text itself by Tolkien um that that really has been a surprise i was not expecting that going into it no definitely and and i mean to the point where it seems like it's clearly intentional right like it's it's not just we're misinterpreting the, the you know these scenes over and over again i mean it it just seems like it's it's another bit of uh you know clear intention on the author's part that a lot of people maybe um are willfully ignoring maybe it's it's tough because it's like one of those things where um people have such strong and sometimes hateful opinions on uh, queerness and queer romance and relationships that like unless it's said outright people will just never believe that that is uh, is there right it's yeah. like and so therein sort of lies the the sides of the argument where it's like well is is Tolkien uh writing around this because like at the time it, it, it would be too much to write about it uh, so explicitly or or is it a matter of him trying to describe something else that that maybe could be interpreted as romance and I mean again I, I don't think there's like a right answer 
but it does it does feel wrong to to write it off and you know when when people come away with like hateful uh responses or 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 responses like you know if if they're not open to the interpretation in a way that that feels like it's rooted in their own uh prejudice it's like that's the problem right like that's that's the real issue in my mind oh absolutely yeah and i mean regardless on you know how what what the intention was like i mean it's it doesn't have to be a romantic love right it just is something deeper than than the other you know male friendships that have been portrayed in this same story you know and it's it clearly clearly is is different or goes deeper than those so i think that's yeah you know you you can't really deny that yeah i i like that idea too i agree it doesn't have to be just a a binary one or the other right it doesn't have to be a, a friendship or a romance there yeah. there's definitely definitely a, a space in between that's that's worth considering for sure um, all right and then my last note there is a moment uh toward the end of this chapter but i think just a little bit before they start going north uh frodo and sam are looking at mount doom and either one of them comments or it's or it's the text itself i'm not sure Uh, i just took the note on it but they say that they they uh they figure it's about 40 miles away. And they, they put a number to that, which, yeah, you know, not necessarily exact. That's their best guesswork. That's pretty clear. But just the fact that they're at a point where they can they can kind of be like, eh, you know, give or take. It's pretty amazing considering uh, how many hundreds of miles they've certainly traversed at this point. And they're they're at a point where not only can they see the end goal but they they can even put a number to it and be like yeah you know maybe 40 more miles it's pretty nuts yeah. to be at that point in the story and then they go 12 miles in the wrong direction <laughs> yes right they they do kind of have to go out of their way they go north so but also it makes you wonder how much time is it's going to take him to get that far because let's see, it's the 15th of March. So there are maybe four days from the battle at a, there are three or four days from the battle at a, the, the, the black gate, I think. Cause the chapter starts maybe. at the end of the battle for Gondor for, for Minas Tirith and Pelennor fields, whatever it is. And then they, they take like a day, or two to rest and recuperate in Minas Tirith before setting out on a three-day march to the Black Gate. Or it's about a week between that. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, a little less than a week, I guess, to, to the battle. And they're, I mean, Sar- Sauron's clearly already amassing his forces over there, but... Um, I knowing what happened at the end of that 
uh, book five, it makes me wonder uh, how they're going to get there in the span of about a week, if not less. Um, I'm also thinking of a series I know I mentioned to you guys earlier called uh, A Simple Walk into Mordor, mm-hmm. where a couple of guys just go to New Zealand and walk from the set of Hobbiton to the, the mountain they used to film Mount Doom in the Peter Jackson movies. And they tried to do that walk in like a week and 40 miles is insane for what they could do in like a couple days. It, it was, uh, I, th- I think the most they could do was like 15 to 20 kilometers, which uh, like all the gear and stuff, which I think translates to about uh, 12 to 15 miles. If I'm doing that math in my head, right. Were any of them so wearing just, the Ring of Power, though? Yeah, they were. They actually had like, the first series they did like ten years ago. They uh, had a like a prop replica of the of the ring, and they buried it on the mountain. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then yeah. they, when they did it again last year, they uh, they had some challenges along the way. But they had a. I think they had the another. Oh no! They had the they had Thorin's key from uh, the Hobbit. Uh, they they were going next door to the Lonely Mountain. That's what it was. So yeah, no, it was just. But the knowing the hardships that they went through just walking across New Zealand really makes me wonder how Sam and Frodo are going to walk across fucking Mordor in the span of a week. But I guess we're going to find out next next time because the next chapter is called Mount Doom. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, I did see that too, and it kind of feels like how, but um, yeah, that that's kind of what I was alluding to last week when I just checked the the chapters ahead of us, real quick. Um, yeah, it's like wait a minute, that's like chapter three. What else is going to happen in this book? Yeah. Uh, well, the only way we're going to find out is by reading, and. It, it is an interesting and exciting place, even even though a lot of what we read today we were kind of maybe not not as uh, enthralled by or enthused but, to talk about. <laughs> yes, but uh, but I think where the story is going and, and the pieces that are there, you know, still remain very intriguing. It's like you know they they are as close as they've ever been to Mount Doom, uh, the the end goal here. And also, we know that Gollum is slinking about and and thinking about like you know what uh what complications or wrinkles that could potentially create. You know how smoothly is this going to go? It just feels like there are too many variables right now at play, um, and and it's too early in the book for things to go as simply as they seem. So I I'm kind of left with this feeling of uh wonder at how will this how will this story that I that I feel so familiar with that I that I feel like I know so well how will it really unfold as I read the book that's that's really what I'm what I'm asking myself and I'm I'm excited to find that out me too all right me three <laughs> me thinks it's time for Connor to take us away. All righty then. 
If you like what you have just heard and you want to support us in other ways, head on over to uh, patreon.com slash chapter chumps and uh, give us some money. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. We are at chapter chumps on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, you could email us if you want, if you have any, uh, issues with the, you know, things we're saying about your, your beloved text. Um, you can send all of those complaints to chapterchumpspod at gmail.com. Uh, and we'd very, very much appreciate you leaving us a five star rating and a very nice review up on Apple podcasts formerly known as iTunes. Um, But most importantly, until next time, folks. One of those days. (laughs) See you, space cowboy.